0: To MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on field action. I'm your host, Joe Lowry, and I'm joined by my co host, Jordan Angeli. Jordan, with the last three game day in the books, the MLS's back tournament's group stage is officially complete.
1: Wow. Check mark. We did it, Joe. We did a podcast every single day during the group stage. That's pretty cool.
0: It is cool. It feels both like it went by really, really quickly and really, really slowly.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I'm not exactly sure how that works, but it does feel like that.
1: (laughs) Some of the mornings with the early games, after the late games, especially that early, that rain-delayed game, I was like, felt like I had to tape my eyelids open. But (laughs) we're here, we made it, and we are still talking about soccer, which I think all in all is pretty good.
0: So the group stage is done. And now just to let our listeners know what's coming up from us, here on MLS Assist, we'll be taking Friday, July 24th, likely when you're listening to this episode, off. So that day is off because there are no games for the first time since Wednesday, July 8th.
1: Don't cry, everybody. Don't cry. I know you're gonna miss us.
0: It's okay because though we're taking that Friday off, we'll be back strong with episodes analyzing every single knockout round game for the rest of the tournament yeah so one day off and we'll be right back
1: and the thing that makes me excited about the next round joe is we get to dive a little bit more into what's happening right because with these game days that have three games it's difficult to get into more and so as the games become less we'll get to talk about the games more
0: First, though, we have to get to today's games. We have yes. the Vancouver Whitecaps come back to no win over the Chicago Fire. The 1-1 draw between the Houston Dynamo and the Los Angeles Galaxy and the 2-2 draw between LAFC and the Portland Timbers. Jordan, let's start with the morning game, Chicago-Vancouver. And I think we need to start with the Vancouver Whitecaps.
1: Yeah, I just it amazes me if you looked at all three of those games. That is not the one that you would think would have been two to nothing and <laughs> Vancouver would have been winning, right? But you have to love the belief of this squad, they have been through such adversity with the players that didn't come with them to the bubble, the players that had to leave, the players that were injured in the bubble. There's so many things that they face, and I just have to say props to Vancouver because you guys are real believers.
0: The way that vancouver shifted coming out of that rain delay this was the game Mm. the morning game today we had the big sizable break for weather in the middle of the second half vancouver weren't good before then especially in the first half they had no shots on target they struggled to gain any control of the game the fire were mostly in control even though they didn't have a lot of great chances but then we get a change of shape from them from a 5-3-2 to a 4-4-2 a couple attacking substitutions and then after that delay, midway through the second half, the Whitecaps come out with some much more intense defensive pressure, almost like a, a carbon copy of what we saw against the San Jose Earthquakes when they came out of halftime and pressured a lot more in that game.
1: Minus the rain delay, don't you think that that was kind of the plan hmm. to, to shift? Because I think Vancouver, playing with the players that they were playing, they made some changes. They knew that they had some fresh legs but maybe some players who are getting some of their first real minutes in MLS say okay let's just stay together defensively let's not get stretched let's get to a point in the game where we can bring on players who can stretch our back the back line of the other team and then we can shift uh shape shift like a shape shifter (laughs) we can shape shift and get after Chicago but I I don't know. To me it seemed like it was part of the plan because the substitution the substitution happened before the rain delay, but did you notice the shift in formation after the rain delay or when that substitution of Reina was made?
0: It was actually a little bit before then. I think I noticed it right around halftime when they made that shift because of an injury. Mm-hmm. They shifted Mark Dos Santos shifted to the four four two. And then once Jordi Reyna and Dahomey, who came on earlier in that game, were in together, that's when yeah. things really started to heat up for
1: Vancouver. Yeah.
0: It's Jordi Reyna with that goal in the 65th minute. Again, I feel like this is almost a mirror image of what we talked about after that San Jose Earthquakes game. It's a little bit of possession higher up the field and then some quick defensive pressure while still being in that attacking half that eventually leads Adnan to play Reyna in behind Pineda and between Pineda and Sokolic and into the box for him to round the keeper and score to make it 1-0.
1: It was a good recognition and... I know I talked about him before, but I think Ali Adnan is, might be underrated, right? Or not talked about enough. And he was a part of both of the goals that were scored for Vancouver today. And he still has been in this tournament. He did not, his side of defense did not give up a goal.
0: It's impressive, especially for someone who likes to get forward so much. Yes.
1: Yeah. No, it is impressive. So I thought it was really when you're playing against a team who's playing with wingbacks and they try to get forward, which Chicago's Chicago was doing that, right? To me, they were playing a three, three, five, two, sure, yeah, three, five, two. So their wingbacks were getting forward. And what happened is in the transition, Adnan recognized that their wingback was up. And right when they won the ball, it wasn't as if like he hesitated at all, he didn't even see that next pass get get um connected, he already started to go. And I think. That was the risk that you were talking about, right? Sometimes you can change shapes, but if you're not willing to take the risk, which Chicago wasn't willing to take the risks at all in this game, he was willing to take the risk, and it led to this goal.
0: And then on the second goal in this game, it's the 71st minute, some really, really poor defending from the Chicago Fire. This has been a, a theme, not from the Fire specifically, but from Major League Soccer as a whole in this tournament. I think it's been exposed more than ever before. Just a lack of defensive pressure and sometimes just players defensively sitting around and not really being engaged. On this, it's a goal kick from third-string goalkeeper Hassal that Adnan heads forward under absolutely no defensive pressure. Reina then chests it down and plays Dahomey into the box behind and between two Chicago Fire defenders. Again, Dahomey finishes to make it 2-0. Vancouver get out of this game. They get out of this group and the Chicago Fire are going home.
1: I know. Wow. Yeah, both the goals runs between the center backs for Chicago. The one thing that I want to say about Chicago, because I do feel like they have a lot of good pieces. And I think we talked about this last time, right? That the pieces are there. Madron, I think is very good, really interesting, uh, playmaker, right? And I, I want to see him on the ball more. But one of the things that I, I saw is in the first, in a lot of this game, actually, when I shouldn't even say the first half, Chicago had so much of the ball, but they were unwilling to take the risk in order to penetrate that 5-3-2 block that Vancouver was in. And I felt like if Madron would have taken himself out of the center of the field and pulled himself into the gap that was kind of in front of the wing back next to one of those three midfielders and tried to play make there, it was, it was as if they needed to pull a little bit out of shape this Vancouver defense and if they could have brought more of their midfielders to one side of the field let's say the right side of the field I think they could have found a quick switch of the point of attack an isolation with a defender on the far side and it was just too lackadaisical.
0: The margins were small for the fire in possession with trying to break down a relatively low block. The margins also small in the 84th minute when we have the whole video review fiasco, which sort of my policy, Jordan, and I don't know how you feel about this, is that I don't really enjoy or feel like I'm qualified to talk about refereeing decisions. So I think the rule in this case is fairly clear that the handball does necessitate uh, the goal to be called back from CJ Sapong. But the general point there is that the margins are small. The fire have talent. I've right. still got my eye on them for future games when it looks like we're going to be getting more regular season games after this tournament closes. We saw a debut from Aliceta playing as part of that front two. Madron's a big talent. Pineda's a big talent in the back line. The Fire have players on every single line. Yes. It's overall, I feel positive about the Chicago Fire moving forward, even though they're not getting out of this group.
1: Yeah, I think this this time will help them come together and uh it'll be nice for Rafael Vicky to figure out and implement some more of the things that he wants to do because you can tell when you're watching him right that it's almost there and he he sees the things out of out of his team but there are moments where he looks disappointed and it it not paying off but i agree i think they're close and i'm not writing him off either
0: nope neither one of us are doing that on to the next game of the day and it's a one-one draw between the houston dynamo and the la galaxy Houston needed a win to get through, and it looked like they had it after taking a 1-0 lead from a Darwin Quintero free kick with an assist from David Biggum's frozen feet. Um, But then the Galaxy storm back and get a Pavon penalty off of a relatively iffy call in the box from a corner kick that ends up sending both teams home. NYCFC then are through to the knockout round instead of the Houston Dynamo. MLS is, has been, and probably always will be downright crazy.
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, at the end of that game, it it got so open too. It was like, I was telling you right before we started recording, it was like the cadence of John Strong talking. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm awake now. I'm, <laughs> it was like so up and down and up and down, this way, that way, this way, that way. It was wild.
0: It was. And Quintero gets that free kick goal off of a good possession sequence from the Dynamo moving the ball from right to left and then counter-pressing. Mm. Right after they lose the ball in the attack, that allows them to draw the foul to set up the free kick. A really good example of counter pressing from the Dynamo that led to Quintero getting that shot from the spot.
1: My thing with the Houston Dynamo is they are the best. They are the team that has grown the most as a defensive unit from the first two games of season till now, Joe. It's incredible.
0: I'm totally with you on that.
1: What they lose to SKC four to nothing?
0: They were played right through. They were parted in that game completely.
1: This is incredible. And I don't know if you in, in the post game, I was listening to Zarek Valentin talk and he said, we worked our cojones off in, in the game. And ironically, we did get um, a cold spray <laughs> moment from Valentine as well, which actually was perfect in this moment. But I would absolutely agree with him. He, they did this, t- this Houston team defensively has the biggest change. They are bought in. They are together. And I think. When, when you start with that as your building block, there are things, the good things to come for Houston.
0: It's funny that we had Chicago and Houston in this game day, because if you ask me teams that I feel the best about who aren't advancing to the knockout rounds, mm. those two teams might be at the top or certainly near the top of that list for me.
1: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Thinking off the top of my head, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know everything. Like, I can't <laughs> right now think of all the teams that are not in, but I would agree with you.
0: The Dynamo had to remain strong defensively in this game, defending against 34 crosses from the Los Angeles Galaxy. I feel like we're beating a dead horse here, but the horse needs to be beaten, because Guillermo Barasoloto won't let it die. It's cross after cross after cross from wide areas. There's no support. Once the Galaxy move the ball out to the wing, if it's a Rajo or one of the fullbacks pushing wide, there's no one else over there to combine. It's almost always that wide player on an island, which makes their only option to cross the ball into the box.
1: Well, because that's what they've been taught to do, is to isolate that person and let them do the work. But I have two issues with it. One, you don't have enough players in the box to actually make it worthwhile to cross the ball. And two, you mentioned it. Okay, who's supporting? So there there were moments where the strong side midfielder creates a one-two or some kind of combination play with the winger or the outside back, right? This is my... Okay. If this is how you're going to play, that's fine. Let's, you just got to show something different sometimes too. And what I think the LA Galaxy need to do is if you're watching this game and when they're, when they're isolated on the wing, Joe, there is a giant gap in that, the part of the field that you love, that Manchester City zone, right? Mm-hmm. It's in, right inside the box and. They're passing lanes to get the ball in there because of the way that the teams defending LA Galaxy get in the box and pressure the winger or outside back, right? It's, it's a 1v1 battle. And I think that if you are the attacking midfielder or even we've seen this from so many teams, right? That holding midfielder on the near side making the run from in that inside channel to get into that part of the box. That run has to be made. They have to play some of those short balls into that Manchester City zone and then pass the ball into the passing lanes that are then going to open up and show themselves. But you can't continue to go this way. You have to show some different variety to what you're doing.
0: If only the Galaxy had, you know, say three creative midfielders in Sebastian Legette, Sasha Kleshin and Efra Alvarez, that could, you know, potentially run into a space like the one you just talked about.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it, the other thing that for me that that's frustrating with the Galaxy and is just I wrote at the beginning of the game, what is the Galaxy's first need? If you're LA Galaxy, what is your first need? And I actually think it's movement off the ball. I think they're too stagnant when they're going forward and they don't they don't move to move defenders, not necessarily to get the ball all the time, because if you watch uh, their friends up the, the road from them. They're moving all the time in LAFC, and a lot of the times it isn't to get the ball. It's to move a defender so then the passing lane is on for somebody else to get the ball.
0: I'm still running through that illustration you used in my head, and I want to focus on it a little bit more before we move on to the last game of the day thinking about when the Los Angeles Galaxy have the ball out wide. I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of the defensive team here, Mm -hmm. right? Let's say it's Julian Araujo out wide on the right side for the Galaxy, who's preparing to cross the ball inside. Or or even if you don't know that, you highly suspect that that's about to happen. If you're the Houston Dynamo defending, all you have to do in that situation is send one fullback, your left back out to pressure him, force the ball in and leave every single other defender you have inside the box to deal with the cross. There's no need to fill that gap between Araho and the box because you're not worried about a runner into that space. You're fine with leaving that wide open, and that makes your life as a defensive team that much easier.
1: Yeah, it looks like a piece of cake. I mean, all you all you do is sit there and block clearance everything out. Or a lot of the times collect it and there was no one, maybe one runner for the galaxy. So Houston has numbers if you collect the ball and actually pass out of your own eighteen.
0: Maybe we can take some comfort in the fact that in a league where there seem to be so few constants, Guillermo barros is giving us some constant that we can latch onto.
1: Okay, we'll take it, I
0: guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the final game of the group stage for the MLS's back tournament. The 2-2 draw between the Portland Timbers and LAFC. Timbers finishing top of Group F, LAFC finishing in that second spot. Jordan, where do you want to start on this
1: game? Where do I want to start? I want to start with... This matchup, actually, I think is the perfect matchup for Portland. Elaborate. They love and thrive playing on the counter. And they're good and they're solid defensively. But then when a team comes in, like LAFC, who wants to keep the ball, who want to throw all of the numbers forward, right? I think at one point I was watching in the first half, LAFC had Segura in in their attacking half, like 15 yards into their attacking half. And the only player that was back was Blackman. And he was within the center circle, man-to-man on someone. Like, they are not afraid to push numbers forward at all. So LAFC is pushing numbers forward. And if you're Portland, they have such a pattern of play when they get out on the counter. They find that... They either connect through Blanco, which they were doing in the first half because he was playing centrally. So that first pass with you was either to Blanco's feet and then he could distribute or they would play to these pockets of space on the wing, like right by the half field. And from there, they want to find a ball centrally and then find the other side of the field. And it's like it doesn't matter which side they start on. That's kind of what they like to do. And they're so good at it.
0: I want to give more credit even to the Portland Timbers before we start diagnosing LAFC's defensive problems because, okay. yes, Bob Bradley's team gives up another early goal. It's a goal in the seventh minute from Nia off of a sequence where the Portland Timbers beat LAFC to every individual matchup in the yeah. build-up to the goal. The Timbers have the ball in their defensive half. LAFC try to pin them against the far sideline, but the Timbers escape. Palacios can't pressure Cristobal in time, so he plays it forward. Segura can't slide over to get to Loria in time, so Loria dummies it through to Blanco. Tristan Blackman can't slide over to Blanco in time. I mean, you're sensing the theme here, right? Yeah. Blanco then plays Nishkoda into the space behind the back line where Blessing couldn't have slid over in time. A long run from right back, to be fair, on that one. But still, it's matchup after matchup after matchup that the Timbers were winning in that sequence.
1: I actually disagree. I think Blessing hesitated because he thought that his goalkeeper was the pass was gonna for Niash was too far and his goalkeeper was gonna come get it because you see him like pull up a little bit.
0: Hmm. I didn't notice I, that. That's a yeah, good point.
1: I, I don't think I think Blessing could have gotten there, but again, when's the last time he played outside back in a like uh from a starting position, right? He's typically not starting there, maybe he'll shift back there, but um, yeah, I think that was just. I actually, I wrote, what is Blessing doing? Because he, I think he could have gotten there or at least positioned himself a little bit better quicker.
0: Between them beating LAFC's counterpress with Blanco acting either as an outlet or as mm-hmm. the point guard in transition and beating LAFC to balls in midfield and higher up the field in the first 30 minutes of this game, Portland started out well. yeah But I want to flip the tables here and talk about why LAFC struggled early in this game. Because poor defensive showings have been a theme for them in this tournament so far
1: you want me to diagnose what's happening is what you're asking me. Yeah. I'd love that. I I don't think I can diagnose. I don't know what it is because to me, when I watch this LAFC team and it happened in the first half and it happened in the second half and the second half actually cost them a goal off of a corner kick, because this is what I was, I was noticing is they have numbers back, right? Yes. They will commit numbers forward, but their willingness to get back and do the defensive work to get themselves in a good spot is there. But their awareness when they're defending is not there. So there was a chance about the 19th, 20th minute, I think somewhere around there, where Blanco was basically just doing whatever he wanted inside the box. It was a late run by Blanco. Nobody picked him up. And there's eight LAFC defenders back in their their defensive third, and there's four players for Portland. It's like you have more than enough people there. It's just nobody is picking up these runs uh, because they are always kind of in that hunting defense, I think. They're going to hunt the ball, hunt the ball, hunt the ball. Well, that works in transition, but at some point you have to be aware of the zones that you're marking or the zones that you're responsible for and pick up players that are coming and working through and in your zone.
0: Between that almost lackadaisical or, or maybe just these guys not really knowing how to defend when they're not hunting, between mm-hmm. those moments and some scattered offensive possession. Brad Bradley had a little interview with ESPN during the first half water break where he essentially said, we've had too many passes that aren't being completed, too many longer risky passes that's spreading us out. And then that's allowing the Timbers to take advantage of space on the counterattack mm-hmm. So between those two things, one starting with their possession, one starting with their lower defending, LAFC really aren't a good defensive team right now.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you.
0: But Jordan, when you can attack and transition like LAFC can, good gracious, it almost doesn't matter, right? It does matter, but it doesn't matter, you know?
1: It is so fun to watch.
0: I'm pretty sure LAFC are the best team, the most dangerous team in attacking transition in MLS.
1: I don't know if I could argue with that.
0: It's a goal from Bradley Wright Phillips in the 36th minute, a transition attack with a little bit of combination from Blessing, Rossi, and Kay that gets the ball back to Blessing, who then plays it up to BWP with some fantastic movement from Bradley Wright Phillips to drift outside the Timbers' center backs to Iloma, specifically on the right side of the center back pairing for the Portland Timbers. BWP takes three touches, turns the defender, and rips a shot past Steve Clark, and it's 1-1 LAFC.
1: He shot that goal and I think my jaw dropped because he hit it so hard and so clean. There was not one rotation. It was like the El Munir shot the other day, right? No rotation on it. Such power. But I actually was watching the other side of the ball. So I appreciate you detailing the run of BWP because he's brilliant and he still is brilliant. And. I am actually excited for him and his footballing journey that he gets to play with this team. Yeah. I think he's going to have a lot of fun. But I was watching Portland, and maybe it was because of that combination play that you mentioned right before BWP got the ball. But the midfield line for Portland and the defensive line for Portland was more than 20 yards apart. And when you're defending a team like LAFC, you cannot give them gaps in between your line like that because they will punish you. So to me, it was the the movement of Bradley Wright Phillips that actually pushed the defensive line back, which I would have almost just let him go. He's not going to beat you on the he's not going to beat you for pace and behind, right? He's going to beat you when he pulls you in too close, and then he has those quick little movements with the ball at his feet, right? So I think that by getting to stretch they actually allowed BWP to have that moment to receive the ball in front of the line face up and go at them.
0: That's a great point Jordan. It's Tui Loma who sort of ends up suffering because of that giant space between the lines because he gets exposed by BWP on this goal and then he gets exposed again by Mark Anthony K. Man for man losing that battle off of Brian Rodriguez's corner kick into the box. That K finishes in the 40th minute to make it 2-1. Thankfully for the Portland Timbers, although it didn't matter because they were going through anyway. They get that equalizer that you mentioned earlier. Jeremy Abobasi heads it in after LAFC cannot clear the ball in the corner kick to make it
1: 2-2. What I liked, even when it was 2-2, Joe, this is what made this tournament so interesting. When it was 2-1, Portland was pushing, right? Because they knew there's points on the line. It's not just, okay, what's next in this tournament— quote unquote, it's there's points for the regular season on the line. And we're not leaving this game against LAFC without any points. And so they are pushing for that tying goal. And then when the game got tied, LAFC was like, no way we're getting three points. Right. There was an extra bit of energy that you don't get in these games, because if you would have seen this in say a World Cup, right, that would have been fine to be 2-2 because both teams were already going through. It would have been fine to be two to one. Both teams were already going through. But because of the points on the line, it added an extra bit of oomph at the end. I think we saw some really cool attacks and some really good moments that kept us on our toes all the way through the end of the match.
0: Now that this game has ended, there are no more points on the line. The group stage is done. These games no longer count towards the regular season standings, but there is more soccer. We're going to get plenty of knockout round action with the round of 16, quarterfinal, semifinal, and the final We went a little bit long on today's show, but it is the end of that group stage. (laughs) And I feel like it was justified.
1: Yeah, it was. And um, with that, we should go because then we'll still keep it under 30 minutes. (laughs) We're going to
0: get out of here. Listeners, thank you for listening. We'll be back again soon. Jordan, thank you as always.
1: Thanks, Joe.